All right, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Today, we're going to talk about, I guess, quitting your job, right? So Travis and I both left our jobs about a year ago. He left a little bit earlier than me, and today we're going to talk about things that went as expected and things that didn't. So uh, Travis, what's going on, man? Well, all kinds of good stuff. So last week, I talked about how I paid someone to do some SEO backlinks for me, and it ruined my SEO completely, ruined my ranks on Google. Interesting enough, I'm back and stronger than ever. Yesterday, we actually had more organic traffic from Google than we've ever had before. Not a ton. So yesterday, we had uh, 55 people come organically through Google. But to put that in perspective, we have about, through Google, we have about a 4% conversion rate. And our average order throughout the year is about $70. So if you do the math, it's I think it's around like, yeah, so it's around from that Google traffic's $140 in revenue. So 50 people's good to us through organic traffic. But you're not going to put more money into SEO again? Like no, I'd put more time into it. Um, like I said, I, I've done the blog before to get links. And I have some other ideas that I'm playing around with to get the white hat links. But I'm definitely not going to spend money on SEO anytime soon, at least. Yeah, so me, uh, I guess I've just been looking into some forum software. I guess ever since we changed the format, we began these emails where people have been asking if they can join the mastermind again. And basically, what happened was that in the three groups I was running, we didn't have a forum to like talk. And it was basically just a Gmail. I'm sure like you know, because you were in one of the groups. It was just like a long Gmail chain of like six people. And then I became the bottleneck to like arrange things. And it became stressful. I was like, All right, I got to figure out something else that's more scalable. Kind of maybe with the forum, people can self-organize and leave me out of the picture or just kind of talk. You know, there's more conversations going on. It's more scalable too. So basically, I've been looking at some forum software. I think I'm gonna go with Zen Four. I'm not really sure yet, uh, but you know, it's kind of a whole complicated world that I'm trying to figure out too. So it's really awesome. When do you think uh, you'll be able to roll that out? Uh, I'm hoping mid October ish. I think so. Apparently, there's like different hosting plans you got to do for forums, and you can customize the backend. You got to figure out the logins, all this stuff. Like it's like a, actually a lot more complicated than I thought it would be. Because I guess when you go to like Shopify, Big Commerce, you just start an account and you're good to go right but it's actually a lot more complicated too so yeah so i guess uh, the idea is that you know once people are in those calls uh, that'll be a place for us to kind of hang out you know bring up topics questions that otherwise would be in a gmail that you could just post there and then other people can reply to so i think there's more value in that than just doing calls based off a of google hangout so yeah I really like that. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going like, I know we're part of like two other forums that are kind of e-commerce based, but I want this to kind of be more like a social slash business, kind of like you're hanging out with people having a drink instead of a really kind of tight niche, super all business type of thing. Because I think that's like the social aspect that's missing with a lot of people who run their own businesses, especially like say you're living in Valencia, you don't really have anyone to hang out with and you know, what are you going to do, right? So kind of like have a social aspect of the forum, uh, things like that too. And then maybe we can do like a, you know, monthly Q&A, things like that. That's really cool. I'm excited. You'll have to let me know the exact day. I'm sure you will. Yeah. Definitely excited about that. All right, cool. And uh, so I guess let's just get into it then. So today we're going to talk about, uh, are you ready to quit your job? And I guess kind of since for us, it's been a one year anniversary, things that did go as planned and things that didn't. So uh, why don't you go first, man? What, what went as planned uh, when you quit your job, since it's been like a year and a half for you. All right, when I quit my job, what went what went as planned was just about nothing. Basically, right after I quit my job, I was in Chicago at the time. I ended up moving. This was, I quit like February. Actually, like right on Valentine's Day was my last day. Yeah, funny enough. Come March 1st, I ended up moving down to Miami. Well, I thought it would be, how do I explain it? Maybe a lot easier, not to get too like deep and serious, but... 
I was pretty depressed before I quit my job. As I'm sure a lot of people, you kind of got to get to that place of just like, I hate my life. I felt like I used all my intelligence to do as little as possible, which when you're getting paid hourly, why wouldn't you do that? I felt like a tiger just like locked in a cage. Like I felt like I had all this energy, but I'm just sitting there staring all the time. That kind of carried over. And then I moved to Miami, which was cool. But to be honest, it was tough when you have no job and no school to go to. It's really hard to make new friends in a, a brand new city, especially when at the same time, for me personally, I was like extremely stressed out in this idea of I need to create a business. I need to create a business. So you moved to Miami just to take some time off from the job or? No, no, I moved because I needed to get away from Chicago. I needed to, I hate, you know, I'm from California and the winters there killed me. Yeah, that's what I did too. Like when I left the week after I moved to like Bali for a month. Cause I think this one thing where when you leave and if you stay in the same place, it reminds you of the old life you live and you really just need to burn that and like go somewhere new. It's kind of what went through my mind. I wish I would have moved earlier than I did, but I mean, I moved like two weeks after I quit, but I just needed to get away from there. Yeah, so did you have the business idea for Bel Air before you left or did this, did this come after? Uh, it was before. I was working on it slowly. And my big thing was as soon as I quit, I felt like I needed to work all the time, but I didn't have, how do I explain it? I, I had all this energy, but I didn't know where to put it because I've never created an online business before. So like, I'd really try hard to do something. And then I'm like, well, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. Maybe I should do this, or maybe I should do that. And I was kind of in a state of analysis paralysis. Yeah, there's a saying they say, uh, you can't steer a parked car, right? Basically, and that was like what I was stuck into. It's like, well, you want to do something, but what, what, what do you do? And then I guess, when, especially when you like start out, things move so freaking slow. And I guess when you leave your job, you think, oh yeah, I'll just figure this out in like three months. Yeah. I'll like replace And I had a repetitive thought during this time. I think I kind of did it wrong. I should have, really what I probably should have done at that point is either move back home or move somewhere where I knew a lot of people and had a lot of friends rather than cutting all ties and moving somewhere completely where I didn't know anybody. And especially Miami's pretty well known for not having the best quality of people. It's not the easiest to make new friends. If I were to do it over again, one of the things I would have done is probably come back home or or go on a vacation for a little bit and kind of get my head straight. But it was definitely that idea of what do I do next? What do I do next constantly? Yeah, I think the other thing that's important, too, I think, is just like when you leave the office space, you got to like decompress and kind of like rewire your brain, I guess, because you've, you've been doing this for years and there's a certain mindset of how you think about things and like the, it takes time to unlearn that and like to distance yourself from that identity too. Uh, whenever you leave, so 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 I guess let me ask you this other question. So you didn't start the business yet when you quit. Um, did you have money saved up, or because because for my situation, I had probably like five figures saved up just in case I didn't make it. But and was that the same case for you? Or I actually I had a lot of money saved up because I had a really good job and I've always been extremely frugal with money. I mean. I was making, putting like benefits and everything close to $80,000, which for a 23 year old that's single. And I actually spent two months living on my friend's couch for free because it's, yeah, it's a long story, but basically I was never home. So I didn't pay rent for two months. And I was just like, yeah, you know, let me just stay in your house. It'd only be a couple weekends. And the company kind of paid for, I did like couch surfing and stuff. And I still kind of had that college mindset. So that's part of the reason I finally quit is I'm like, look, I have all this money, 
but what am I doing with it? Like what's, that's where it kind of got to this thing of what's the point of making money? What's the point of this corporate job? Sure. There's this little number that's going up in my bank account that I can see if I go to this website, but there's no satisfaction. I'm not doing anything. I'm not creating anything. So I guess if someone wants to leave, how much would you recommend they save? Like for my head, I would recommend a year. Yeah. Preferably, if not more. Uh, is that something you would agree to or yeah. how, how would you advise? I, I'd say a year. I'll be honest. I probably had probably three years worth of like whatever. What do they call it? Uh, runway. Runway. Yeah. Three years worth of runway. Yeah. So, so that's three years living in Chicago or say like, because you can get your money further depending where you live. Right? That probably would have been Chicago, but I'm also, you know, that's not necessarily going out to eat every night or anything like that. So it's like baselining in Chicago, but say Southeast Asia, you'd have a pretty nice life. I guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like, like here you can live for about 1200 a month. Pretty nice. If you don't go out to eat that much, like you can have like a maid, you know, a house, food taken care of, all that stuff. And I guess, you know, that's, it's kind of harder to live in a first class city. But I, guess, I understand not everyone can move to Southeast Asia. So, you know, if you're running a business on the side, I guess if it can make at least half of what you're making now, I think that's a good position too. Like say it replaces half your salary and you have a years of runway, like you can comfortably leave. Yeah. Anytime. I, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that I took too long. I wish I would have done it earlier. There's a difference thing between like, oh yeah, I'm only there for the money because if I don't have this money, I'm not going to eat or I'm only there for this money so I can go buy drinks at the bar. Yes. Like, well, there's another thing too where it goes to the identity and script you've been told. Like say you like, you know, grow, grow up, go to school, get 4.0 GPA, you know, get honors and then go to this bank and then make X amount, right? But if you question that, you basically are questioning what you've done your whole life. And I think that's the brutal truth that most people don't want to face that, hey, I actually wasted, you know, my youth getting this degree that I'm not happy with now. And, you know, you're better off just getting drunk and covering that up, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I'm very happy. I know a lot of people in the entrepreneur scene wish they didn't go to college because it was a waste of four years. I loved that experience. It taught me a lot, both socially and everything. But I will say, as soon as I got into the real world, opinions of people around me started to fall apart in the sense of their logic started to fall apart. Because growing up, it's like, go to high school, get good grades so you can get into a good college. Well, get good grades in college so you can get a good job. And then... Well, that's about it. You know, just, just truck right away for 40 years and eventually you'll retire. It's, that sounds insane to me. I'm like, wait a minute. So that's that's it. I'm just, I'm done. I guess our next point, uh, what didn't go as expected? <laughs> so I felt like that's all we talked about. Yeah. I guess this could be like a whole 10 episodes in itself, I guess. So so I guess for me, first one, I guess when you make this site, you know, this e-commerce site, you think, you know, day one, the first two months is going to be awesome. But it turns out most of the time it's just crickets. Mm -hmm. right? The same thing. And as soon as I quit my job, I was gung-ho and I... I'm interested in the whole biohacking, the neurotropic stuff like that. And I made a couple grave errors. And the biggest one was I took way too much stimulants, mostly in the form of caffeine and cacao nibs, which is basically chocolate. And I didn't properly measure it out. I kind of just freeballed it. Right after you quit your job, you're highly anxious, you're highly Every morning I'd wake up and just be filled with adrenaline and adding the caffeine to it in retrospect was probably not a good idea. So as you can imagine, this actually progressed and got pretty bad. Like the first couple nights, I was only sleeping like four hours a night. And in my head, for whatever reason, I don't ask me why, but it made sense to me that, no, okay, what I'll do, I'd wake up very tired, no surprise, after four hours of sleep. And then I decided, 
okay, well, what I should do is I should take some, you know, drink some caffeine. I was drinking caffeine in the form of yerba mate. I figured I'll drink some caffeine. That'll get me through the day. Then I'll get a good night's sleep tonight. I think I took, I don't know how many servings. I don't even want to try to calculate it, but basically way too much yerba mate and cacao nibs at the same time. I didn't sleep for, I slept, I think like an hour of that day and didn't really sleep for the next couple of days. Straight up hallucinating. Ended up checking myself in the emergency room because I was like, hey, this isn't right. Something's wrong here. And they finally told me, yeah, and it's, it's ridiculous looking back on it. But to me, that's how much pressure I was putting on myself, which I highly don't recommend doing. And as I said, it's, I went from this long period of depression, not like the, you know, oh, I want it in my life kind of depression, but just that kind of depression where you're not there to, all right, I'm finally free. Here's my chance. I have to do it. And every day was super important to me. So I'm like, all right, let's be on the ball. Make sure if you do quit your job and you go to do this, it's going to take time. Don't think you can. I had this mindset of, you know what? It'll take me a week or two to set everything up. And then I'm going to start getting all this business in and everything's just going to be magical. Yeah. I think everyone thinks that when they start out and it's not until like the first one is over, you're like, oh shit, things move a lot slower than I thought it would be. So I have to ask what finally got you to quit? There's this thing called the corner office test, right? I guess you'd look at who's been in the business in front of you. Like you got your boss, the boss's boss. And you look at like, well, is that someone I want to be like in 10, 15 years? And the answer is no. Well, you got to start making changes. So I looked at my boss and his boss in Hong Kong. I was like, oh, these guys, you know, they're, they're making good money, but deep down, they're just not really happy. And you can tell they're like worn out. And you, usually in finance, you don't last until you're like, mid 40s like there's a joke where you say like if you're still in finance and you're 50 you're like a dinosaur basically because you just you're working like what 90 100 hours weeks and then your body just takes a huge beating uh, basically so yeah i mean it's just looking at that and then realizing that wasn't what i wanted and finally like you like like I was just saving up a bunch of money and then it was like, well, what am I going to do with this number keeps going up, right? And I, I know a lot of people don't necessarily have that. Maybe you have to, you know, whatever, you're not making enough money to do that. But there's always, there's always the weekends and the nights and stuff like that to start something on the side, especially because this is going to take time anyways. This also ties into the next point, kind of hanging out with new friends and kind of rebuilding your social circle because when you do things like this, I think your family and friends view you differently, right? So I guess my situation uh, was my mom obviously thought I was crazy. So kind of in like in Asian families, there's this thing, especially like East Asian families where like if you're the oldest son, uh, you're expected to take care of the mom and dad when they're older. And so for them, when they heard I was going to throw away this job, it was like, oh, like you're disowning us essentially because, you know, if he can't even take care of himself, how can he take care of us, right? So, oh, okay. That was kind of like something I struggled with. Yeah, because like I guess in Western society, it's like when you're 18, you go out, you do your own thing, right? And then see a don't come back, right? Whereas like kind of in a more communal, I guess, Asian societies, you're expected to take care of the parents when they're old, which I guess may sound... I don't know, different, I guess, odd for you. but And so they were kind of really defensive about that at first. But I was just really hard-headed. And we probably didn't talk for like two months at one point. And then finally, uh, she saw it. And I was like, all right, just, if you do want to do it, just do it. Because I guess she saw how unhappy I was uh, at the job. Everyone thought I was crazy. There, I had one friend at the time who was the only person that told me, do it. And that's because he already did it. And he's like, anybody that's not doing this is insane. Basically, for the same reasons I said that it's the corporate world's kind of like being in jail. But yeah, everybody at first, at least, was very much, including my mom, you know, who I'm in business with. She's like, you know, she was very cautious about it. Uh, mom, if you're living, listening, I love you. And now, of course, she's like, okay, that was a great decision. And before I quit, she did, like actually the day before I finally quit, 
she called me and she's like, look, I was up all night and I do think you should quit. And I'm like, I already did. Don't worry about it. But she's been making dancewear forever, right? So I guess well, even she was hesitant about it? Or? Yeah, because she was making it custom for local people. It's much different. What we do now is, I mean, obviously there's a lot of overlap, but it's a completely different model than what she was doing before. And yeah, that that's the basic thing. I mean, something that's I find very interesting, my grandma, you know, who's old fast old fashioned, she'll still ask me, so when are you gonna get a real job? And I I have to like explain to her. I'm like, I'm co-owner of this company. She's like, she's super proud of my mom. She's like, Yeah, good job, Cindy. Uh, good job with the business. But Travis, when are you gonna get a job? So uh, she doesn't give you credit. <laughs> I, I think she's going to start. I think she's starting to understand now. But yeah, I don't think she really understands this whole idea of sales don't just magically come in. Yeah. Like there's groundwork to do. There's distribution to figure out. There's customers to call, things like that. Like, yeah. And I think because that's my job is to get the sales, do the marketing, build the website and all that kind of stuff. And I think people that have never done it think it's just throw up a website and people will come knocking at your door. And it obviously doesn't work that way. Yeah, and the other thing too, when I hear get a job now, is like you realize like a thousand years ago, there was no such thing as a freaking job. You were either a peasant, a farmer, or like a rich guy that owned property, right? And a job really only existed like 200 years ago with industrial age, with like factories, things like that. And now like it's kind of going away with the internet. I mean, it's still there, but you can see it eroding, right? Like you no longer need that many people to do something. You can have an app, you can automate it, you can outsource things. And like, you know, when people say, oh, get a job, it's like, you know, this paradigm of a job is changing and it's no longer defined as what it is just because you grew up with it. And I think it's really hard for people to kind of process that unless you're like unplugged from the matrix. Yeah. And you know, something else that's kind of parallel with that is my generation, it's more, more acceptable to just kind of travel backpack through Europe. I mean, even in, you know, the generation before me and stuff like that, it was becoming more acceptable, but I really believe now that if you spend, you know, your entire twenties, just randomly doing things, nobody cares. Or even, even your thirties up until a certain point, it's kind of society's a little bit more tolerant. Yeah. I I guess the stigma isn't there. Like, I guess you're like the hippie wander nomad thing that the older generation probably looked down at, but I guess for now, it's like, oh yeah, just take a year off, do this, do that. Like I think, I think our generation values, as I guess, experiences more than products or holding things now, and like the story behind something. What meaning does it mean? Like, or I guess I don't even know how to describe this. <laughs> no, yeah, I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. And graduating college, and I, you know, I had this job I was going into. There's a big party for me. One of my old friends growing up came to the party. He was actually just going to go backpack through Europe, and I'm like, man. This party's like in celebration of me and me getting this job, but I'm super jealous of you. Like you, you're living the dream, and he's doing it on you know 500 bucks, a thousand dollars a month, like almost nothing. So, so you brought up living the dream, right? Living, I think the dream for everyone means something different. So I think when you're in the office world, the dream is to leave, right? But then when you do leave, well, the dream is to have a business, right? And then when you have a business, the dream is to not work on it all the time. And I think it always changes for different people. And even now, like. Like some days I'll be like, oh, is you know, it's actually kind of nice to just sit at the office and do nothing and get paid. But then you realize, oh no, actually it sucks because I go home angry and I, I hate what I do. Oh, so. I, I could never go back. Yeah, so I guess sometimes when things don't work out, I tend to think that, but it's getting less and less though. Because I think one, just because here you have so many friends who are doing the same thing, so it's really easy to just get out of that slump. And two, you realize that when you get in the slump, you can actually change things, right? Because I guess when you're in the corporate world, you get in a slump, you just go get drunk and. 
buy something nice, right? But now you can just be like, all right, I need to do some, I need to take some action. And then like you snap out of it a lot quicker, I think too. You know, I, I will say for me, I almost find it easier to get into slumps and not, how do I explain it? So for the other day I woke up after not really sleeping a good night and because I didn't need to go to work, I didn't need to do anything. I found myself kind of just sitting around watching some TV. And if you didn't get enough sleep the night before, the best thing to do is go out, you know, do something productive. That way you'll get a good night's sleep that night. Where if you just kind of, if you're tired and you're laying around, feeds into this like tiredness. And that's something that I kind of miss is having responsibilities. You know, not that I don't have responsibilities now, but I'm responsible to myself. It's kind of nice having someone tell you, you need to get this done by this time. Otherwise you're fired. Well, because it frees up the mental space in your head from thinking about what you need to do, right? And like evaluating decisions, what to prioritize. You just feel, oh, do this. All right, sure. Yes, I'm a good monkey. I'll, you know, bang on this hammer with a wrench. Absolutely. I mean, 99% of the time, don't get me wrong. I love being my own. I always love being my own boss, but there is times I wish the smarter, more experienced Travis was sitting behind me saying, what are you doing? You're really watching another episode of Futurama? Maybe you should go get some work done. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to be careful taking sleep advice from you too, considering you're the guy that <laughs> jacked yourself up on yerba mate and like caffeine. Hey, I'm a huge fan of sleep. You need to, now I've got my whole routine at night to make sure I get a good night's sleep and I've, I've hacked my sleep down. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's move on to the next topic. So let's talk about what friends thought about you. So you, you were saying, well, I guess, what did your friends say to you when you started? Because my friends, I didn't really get much feedback from my friends because by that time, I had already started moving into different social circles in the sense that I started hanging out with more entrepreneurs. I joined the DC, done my circle early on, and I was just in there all day talking to people. And so for me, it wasn't until a couple months ago when friends started to see what I do that they're like, oh, hey, it's cool that you're doing this and you know, you're know you living the dream. But what was it like for you starting out? I think most of the friends I had at the time were like more drinking buddies and they didn't really care what I did with my life. I had one friend in particular that was at the same job as me. And when I told him that, his response was like, that sounds like a good idea for you because when I'd talk about quitting my job, I'd get super jazzed up. When I talked about building an online business and all that kind of stuff, I would get very passionate and you could tell at first he was kind of like, no, that's a bad idea because he felt like it was a bad idea for him. But as I talked about it, he's like, you need to do this. That's So did you spend energy trying to convince friends yes. to quit their job? Because I did that for a while and then I realized yeah. it's just a huge waste of energy and time. Yeah, don't do not do that. I, I wanted to tell everyone, I wanted to go to the mountaintops and shout it out, quit your job. But because yeah, I think there's this thing where you want to be like, oh my God, I see this path to happiness or whatever. And like, it's my duty as a friend to get you on this path too. But then you realize, well, I can show you the door, but you have to walk through it yourself. It has to be what they want to do. And that's a hard realization to come to because it does. It seems like you, it seems like you finally like seen behind the matrix and you're like, oh no, I get it guys. Like you need to quit. It's, this is the answer, but it's not the case for everybody. Yeah. It's like, you know, in the scene where he bends the spoon, like, yeah, here's how you bend the spoon. But you know, and you give it to the guy, he's like, well, it's just a spoon. Right? I'm going to work it back in the conversation, but I'm very curious what your like goals are and all that kind of stuff. So long-term goal, what you want, like what you want out of life and work and everything. I'm just, I'm curious because we've been kind of alluding to that. I was going to bring it up in the last topic, but. Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to say. I think financially, I want to be doing 5,000 net myself, paying myself that much. I think that's like a good number to kind of live anywhere you want. Like I want the freedom to kind of travel between here and the US, maybe live in Europe once in a while. 5,000 5, a month, 5,000? 5, yeah, 5,000 US paying myself personally. Okay. I, I, I don't know if that's possible in a year, but you know, knock on wood, right? So 
And then with that, I think I think especially with this podcast and the website, like I want to have a social place, like I said earlier, starting out to have a place for people to hang out because I've been doing this for two years and I get these emails all the time with people with questions and I think there's more value to be made by linking people together too. So kind of long-term plans are those and then uh, maybe we'll meet we'll meet sometime in Bangkok, I guess. You know, we've never met before, which, which is kind of funny that you're my co-host. So things like that. I think there's a lot more we can do with the podcast too. And just like, because if you look at like e-commerce, it's only what, like 10% of total sales in the US. Like like 10 years down the line, there's still a lot of, you know, potential for growth in this space, not just as a content producer, but as platforms, you know, starting businesses, changing people's lives. I think there's a lot more to do down the road. You know, and that's a realization I had actually this morning was this is the best time there may ever be to get into e-commerce because even though it seems saturated, it's really not. Like I know for my niche, it's, there's almost, there's a couple big people that are doing it decently, but most of the other people, there's a lot of stores out there, but most of them suck. Like once you actually look at what they do for SEO, what they do for marketing, what they do for all this kind of stuff, they have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I think especially even like a photography angle, uh, rich media, like good video, good design, good typography, like there's a huge edge you can do over most people too, just by having a better site you know, better conversions, like marketing channels, funnel optimizations, things like that. So it's so easy with the Shopify, the Volusion, all that kind of stuff. It's going to become easier. Sure. But the easier it becomes, the more saturated it's going to become. I feel like anybody I know at this point could go in, start a Shopify or a Volusion store and figure it out. It seems intimidating at first, but it's not. Yeah. Have you heard of uh, Andreessen Horowitz, that VC company? No. Oh, so, so Mark Andreessen was the guy that invented Netscape, and he has a VC company now. So basically, they invest in like Facebook, Twitter, all this stuff. They're like Sequoia Capital, and they had a podcast the other day where they talked about everything. And Mark was saying basically everything is cheap to start, but uh, expensive to grow now, which is really true, right? Because anyone can start a store, but it's about putting the time, energy, and effort into growing that, doing the hard work. Yeah, I agree. And I will say though, it's kind of like a positive feedback loop though. I mean, you put a lot of work into it and you get your first sale and it's like, oh, I have all this more energy and let's put more work into it. And what I'm finding, and I didn't actually say this in the updates, but one of my updates was, we just had a Facebook contest on our wall where we had people submit pictures of themselves wearing our dancewear. So we, they submitted it all to us and then we posted it all. I think we posted it all on the 25th and we said, okay, tell all your friends to like your photo. Whoever gets the most likes is going to win dancer of the month. We didn't offer a gift card. All we said is you're going to be dance. We didn't say anything. We just said, you'll be dancer of the month. It's unbelievable how many likes these people got. And it's things like that. So it's like once you get a couple customers, not necessarily is it easy to grow it larger, but it's it makes it more fun. So basically, so basically you got a bunch of girls to take pictures of themselves in dancewear and take selfies of themselves and email it to you, right? Yeah, I mean, they're mostly young girls, keep in mind. But like, they're, okay, okay. or their moms would do it. Um, the moms would take pictures or it'd be pictures of them performing kind of thing. Then they'd share it. I, and something actually that's interesting that I didn't know, like for instance... The top two people, the top person has 500 plus likes on their photo. Oh, I see this one. Uh, she's doing like a leg raise or something like that. And she has like 547 likes. I'm pretty sure she bought likes, which is almost more interesting. I'm, I'm actually like 99% sure she bought a bunch of those likes. If you look at the people who liked her, a lot of them they're like don't have profile pictures. Yeah, some of them are in like... Yeah. Korean names like Southeast yeah they're probably just like but fake what's profiles exciting to me is the fact that she would go through that much effort to be 
the dancer of the week, which is, or dancer of the month. There's another person down a little bit uh, farther down. If you look, you're looking McKay. Uh, I don't remember her name actually, but she's wearing the orange shorts. She has 250 or so likes and they're all real people. They're doing the marketing for us in some ways. That's kind of what I was, you know, trying to get at after that whole long tangent is it's a lot to start and it's, you know, expensive to grow. Sure. But it's rewarding to grow. It's, it becomes easier in its own way at the same time, even though it's harder at this, you know. Yeah, it's like, well, what's the alternative? You just sit in the office for 20 years, 30 years, right? I mean, at least we as humans, I don't think we were built, we evolved to sit in an office for 30 years. Like, if you look at, like, what we've been doing throughout history, like, like this concept of sitting in a box for 30 years just seems crazy. And yeah. maybe because you grow up, you're told to do that and you don't question it. But, hey, I guess if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you should be. And we talked about this in the last podcast, but staring at a screen six inches away from your face and sitting for eight hours plus a day, that's not natural. And your body's going to hate you for it. And it's going to punish you with I don't know, being annoyed at you. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I guess I talked about my goals. What are your goals too then? I know you're moving to Buenos Aires. Like what else do you have planned? I'm going to keep it short-term-ish because I have like some pretty insane long-term goals. But the the short-term ones are basically, my first one's $200 a day passive income. Uh, But I'd like to, $200 to $300. 200's kind of my base minimum because that'll be more or less what I was making at my last job. That'll be the first point of like, all right, I'm really... I'm doing something like I can not brag about it, but I can really feel like, yes, I 100% made the right decision, even though I already know I did. Basically for me, past $300 a day, average income is, there's no real point. I mean, $100,000 a year, yeah, $100,000 a year is a single 20-something. It's like, what am I going to do with more? Well, I, I know what you would probably buy all this, like testing equipment, like body hacking stuff and like measuring your blood pulse I absolutely. with some monitor. I'm smart. That's totally what you would spend it on. That's why the $300, I mean, okay, so $100,000 a year. If you also have the your time freedom, you can live better than a millionaire. I don't, I mean, sure, you maybe you can't afford a Ferrari, but do you, I mean, is that really high up on your list? Maybe it is, but yeah, yeah. But in terms of being able to travel wherever you want, kind of you know have the well, your whole day not limited by someone telling you what to do, like certainly. My goal is to be able to go out to dinner at any restaurant and not care. I'm not a big let's get a bottle kind of person, but I've always been the person that my friends are like, oh, let's get a bottle. I'm like, no, I'm not going to pay for it. I'll get one drink and I'll sit there or I'll give you the equivalent amount in cash that I would pay at the bar and we'll call it even. I don't want to have to do that. I want, if my friends are all like, yeah, we're going to go out to this really nice restaurant, I can be like, hell yeah, we're going to go. Well, I guess the important thing also is that these goals, while they're kind of out there, it's important to have them because you need kind of like a guidepost, like a Northern star to figure out where you even want to be, right? Because if you don't have a goal, like really what's the difference than sitting in the office for the rest of your life, I guess too, so. You know, we talked both, you know, about financial goals, but most of my goals are not financial. I just, my real goals are obviously to be happy. That's a hard thing to really talk in depth about because what's happiness to me and what's happiness to someone else is obviously very different, but. Yeah, and and I think financial goals just are, enable you to achieve bigger goals that really matter to you. It's just kind of like a bridge that lets you go here, not like the end game to actually be making X amount every month too. Because if you were to do that, well, you just go be a banker or whatever, right? So, all right, cool. I guess uh, we killed this topic. Anything else you got to add? No, I think that's about, that's about it. I mean, basically it's just get out of jail. Don't, don't spend your life in a cubicle. I mean, unless that's really what you like to do. If you really like 
sitting in a cubicle for eight hours a day and staring at a screen, then hey, enjoy it. But Well, I think also that to their defense, if they like their job, like if you work at Apple and you like doing that stuff, I mean, more power to you too, right? So Sure. No, that's you're right. There, There's absolutely, I'm obviously a little bit biased because I think everybody hates their job. But no, there's a lot of people that they really love what they do. And then, yeah, more power to you. But then why are you listening to this store, this show? Yeah, exactly. All right, so before we end, we have a Q&A section. We got some emails uh, the past week. So a couple questions uh, from Patty here. I got to dig this up real quick. I guess so she asked, um, what does penguin mean? I guess there was an episode where we talked about vernaculars. And I guess uh, this kind of went over some people's heads. So penguin uh, was a Google update they made to the algorithm. I, f- I forget when, 2012, 2013. So basically, uh, every year they kind of make these changes that changes the search rankings. And Penguin was just uh, one of these. And they usually name it after animals. They've been called Penguin, Panda, Hummingbird. I can't think of another one. Basically, it's like it's always animal. I don't know why Google does this, but it's kind of an internal thing they do. So basically, yeah, Patty, that's what penguin means. And then I guess she asked, uh, what's a long tail keyword? Uh, do you want to take this one? Yeah. So a long tail keyword, uh, a, a normal keyword might be, for instance, for me, it would be dancewear, but a long tail keyword might be light ivory dancewear and Lycra. So it's a, it's a longer thing that less people search for, but it's easier to rank for in Google. Yeah, And it's basically more targeted because if you're looking for, you know, extra large blue dancewear for girls, like you, you know what you're looking for and most people won't be searching for it, but the intent is there usually with the higher conversion. But the challenge is that you have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of long tail keywords, right? No matter how you type in to Google, different variations or different long tails. So it's like, how do you target that over time is kind of the challenge uh, when going for that. So yeah, that's long tail keyword. And then uh, what tools do we use for keyword research? Uh, I use the Google Planner tool or Market Samurai sometimes, but less and less though. So I don't know, what do you use? I usually use the the keyword, the Google keyword tool. I also, you know, I wish I had the name of it. Uh, there was a guy at this local entrepreneur meetup that I met up with who he actually, it, it was for Amazon, interestingly enough, but it worked really well at finding keywords in Google and it calculated the warrior score, which I don't know how the warrior score works, but it basically says that sounds really cheesy. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's from the warrior the warrior form. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but basically, the way it calculates, it takes the first like ten results in Google and sees what the the page rank is, like how often that keyword comes up in their pages. Basically, sees how competitive it is. I think Longtail Pro is another one that I, I use for a little while. That's what I'll use sometimes. I think these tools are nice to have, but honestly, I don't use them that often unless I just have this crazy idea that I want to just see what the SEO looks like. Yeah, when you're first starting, the Google keyword tool is perfect. Uh, thanks, Patty, for those questions. I guess that's it for us this week. And uh, Travis, uh, you're moving to Argentina soon, so I guess we'll catch up next week. Sounds good. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. And if you got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like your cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.